Welcome to Unity of Tucson. You are a gift to this entire thing called life, each and every one of you. Every single person within the sound of my voice, you are a gift to this thing called life, and don't ever forget it. Sometimes the way we express that gift can be challenging. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about myself a little bit, shocker. But I want to talk a little bit about a spiritual journey that I went through uh, some years ago, 30 years ago, when I first came out. And this is not going to be a gay talk, just so you know. But that's the construct around which I want to just lead off today is to talk about, I I went through a journey of self-acceptance that started off with this. And, and, And I just want to see if this connects with anyone in your own way and on your own journey. That what happened is I radicalized my self-identity. I radicalized my self-identity. What that, what, the way I'm going to describe that radicalization is this. And I'm still a radical, by the way. <laughs> but in different ways. So when I first came out of the closet, I tried on all of the stereotypes of what it was to be gay. All over the place. I tried every stereotype you could possibly imagine. And... That, for me, was radicalizing my self-identity. And what it meant is that I was not being true and authentic to me that I am. I was trying on different layers and trying on different ways of being. And it's almost like I went into a wardrobe, (laughs) or I went back in the closet. (laughs) And every time I came out of the closet, I was like, this is another expression of me. It doesn't quite fit. It doesn't quite fit. So there was a lot of time when I was a very flamboyant and over-the-top, very stereotypical kind of gay guy. Um, Yes, I will tell you, there was a period in my life where I was doing drag. (gasps) Um, You'll never see pictures. (laughs) It was a long time ago. Um, But here's here's what was happening is I came out at a time where I felt it was more important to give in to the pressure of the community that I was now identifying with rather than live my authentic self and allow the community to conform around me. Not that other people had to conform, but allowing the community to conform around what it was that I was choosing and the way I was choosing to express in the world. I think far too frequently we put on those ill-fitting identities to fit in. And I think we need to be willing to let that go. I thought that it might be impressive to be the super radical histrionic gay guy who was out there marching for rights and doing all of this stuff. And I'm like, if I just live my own life, if I just live my own life authentically, that is being actually much more radical. 
If we all chose to live our lives authentically in the, in the way that our lives are unfolding, it might be a radical way of living our experience. Because there were a lot of ways that that experience for me was also detrimental. But I thought that I had to make an impression on life. What it is to make an impression, if you look up impress in the dictionary, it means to make a favorable impact. I don't know that I was doing that necessarily. (laughs) Because I don't think I will ever make a favorable impact. I don't think any of us can ever make a favorable impact if we are not being true to our authentic expression, our authentic selves. To impress also is to draw attention to oneself. Shocking, I like to draw attention to myself once in a while. But I also tell people, you know, that the, 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 the gregarious person that I am um, on the platform on a Sunday it's, would probably seem very counter to how I am uh, in my home where I'm very much an introvert. People don't believe that sometimes, but I am. How about you? Today is all about reflecting on those things, those clothes that we put on and seeing how they express themselves in the world. So all of this is long before new thought. It's all before new thought. Before I came into this thing called new thought, the the, the path of, of metaphysical teaching, I put so much focus on the form of life. I was an accumulator. I wanted to have the things, and I'm like, let's get rid of it all. Get rid of it all. I concerned myself mostly with what I looked like to others, the way I was choosing to be perceived, rather than what it felt like to be my authentic self. I didn't live in a place of trust. I didn't live in a place of self-reliance, and I think that is the primary teaching of new thought paths. Each one of them roots back to learning how to live in self-reliance, to have a strong self-esteem that allows the authentic self to come through rather than having to layer on some outward idea of what it is to be authentic. But at the time, I felt it was easier And in some ways, I thought it might be more appealing to conform to other people's ideas. So are we willing to let go of the idea that we must conform to anyone else's idea of who we should be? Emerson helped me to release that idea. Magnificent works of Ralph Waldo Emerson. You know, when I first came into New Thought, one of the primary uh, studies that I engaged in was the study of Emerson's essays. And in one of his essays, the essay on self-reliance, he wrote this. A man should learn to detect and watch that gleam of light which flashes across his mind from within more than the luster of the firmament of bards and sages. Yet he dismisses without notice his thought because it is his. How many of us are living within that where we disregard that which is intuitive, that which is the wisdom of God flowing up and overflowing from within ourselves? And why do we do that? Why do we do that? I hold firm in a vision 
for this entire experience of life, this entire world that we are awakening to our spiritual magnificence, to know the truth of who we are. Visioning is delving into the infinite, free of our preformed ideas. And I use the word visioning specifically because it is different than the word visualizing. Because visualizing an idea of what the world should be is saying that it must conform to some way of it being perceived. It must conform to some form. So visioning is allowing a tapping into the intuitive nature that is at the core of each and every one of us. Letting go of anything that has come before and allowing the truth to present itself. And the truth will always present itself when we let go of the ways we cover up that truth. A great question to ask to help allow that to unfold is in any situation that you are in or in any situation that I am in, one of the questions I love to ask myself, especially if there is some unknown factor, is what wants to happen here? What wants to happen here? Rather than rooting it in some idea that I have to make something happen, what wants to happen here? But what is required in asking that question is noticing our own thought and honoring it, not immediately dismissing it, because I did a lot of that too. I dismissed the thoughts because they were mine. And I didn't think that I had authority to have my own thought. Has anyone else ever felt like this? Just check in with yourself. If there's ever been a time in your life where you may have felt like this, and know, as we teach, that you are the creator of your own life, and you are not relegated to anything outside the self. Visioning is fully trusting our mind as an expression of the universal mind, the God essence, the presence, the power, the light and the life. That's what we are doing. That is how we are being. That is what it is to vision and allow that intuitive God essence to flow through, to rely upon spiritual truth. To rely upon spiritual truth. It says trust. That's an acronym. To rely upon spiritual truth. Trust. So all of this has kind of been on my mind um, in some ways because I have felt a little challenged. I don't know about you. I have felt a little bit challenged about the way I should show up and the way I should be in light of the state of our world right now. It's been a challenging couple of, well, almost two years now, hasn't it? And there was something that challenged me in considering these last couple of years. And everyone, and, I, and you know what? I have this. I have this desire. This desire, and I think a lot of us have this desire. So I'm going to say everyone. I'm just going to include you in this. Everyone's desire to get back to what was. And so I came up with this idea this week, and it, it kind of shocked me. I thought, well, what if the current state of the world is the new normal? 
Am I relegated to accept it? Am I relegated to accept it? And of course, this comes up just as news of a new COVID variant is starting to take over all of the channels, this Omicron variant. And as I've seen the news come through, and there are, you know, all of the fear mongers are out there saying, we must beware of this new variant. We don't know anything about it. This is the funny thing. We don't know anything about it, but we're going to be fearful of it. That's what all the news is saying right now. They don't know anything. They're like, we need to do more research, but be fearful. Like, okay, well, that doesn't really connect with me. So I'm going to let go of any of the fear because here's what I know. As an expression of this infinite divine power, as an expression of this good orderly direction, this greatness on demand, as an expression of spirit, as an expression of God, knowing that God is the wholeness of my being, I know that I have dominion over my experience, and so do you. Each and every one of us has dominion over our experience of this thing called COVID, and so I am willing to let go of the notion any longer that COVID has to be a thing, because here's the thing, COVID is there, I am here, standing holy in truth. Now, how is it that I have dominion Here's how I have dominion, because I don't, here's, and, and this is going to shock some people, because you may think that new thought teaches something different. I don't have dominion over the virus as a thing in the world of form. I don't. What I do have dominion over is my relationship, my thought, my mental atmosphere around the virus. And it is our mental atmosphere that creates our experience. So if I am willing to dive in and say, I choose not to live in fear around that thing out there, as real as it is in the world of form, and it is a real thing in the world of form. Let us not deny that. It is a real thing in the world of form. As long as I am willing to step back and say, I see you, I recognize my relationship to you, and I do not have to be relegated to that experience any longer. That is how we have dominion over the experience and expression of our lives. Our thoughts are all relationships to the circumstances of our lives. And as we address the thoughts and don't allow ourselves to be overrun by thinking that's out there that we are accepting as our thought by putting that bit of clothing on, as we do address the authentic thoughts at our core, we will shift the experience we are having. That's the power of new thought teachings. Our work is to address our conscious relationship to things from the point of view of who we are. You know, part of our vision, our mission statement is remember who you are. Remember who you are. Now, you get to decide what that means for you, but here's what it means for me, because this is really what changed the, 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 the trajectory of my life. I came to understand that I am the very power. I am the very light. I am the life. I am God, which is greatness on demand, not some supreme being. And I understand that about myself, and I recognize it in the faces of each and every person that I encounter, and in doing so, that is the great equalizer. So I do not choose to 
root myself in the things that make us different. I choose to root myself in the things that connect us. We are that which is. But so frequently, we are taught by others the way we should see the world. But you get to decide. Even everything that I say on a Sunday, I am so excited when people question me about it. So I'm like, you're thinking about it. Because what works for me is what works for me. What works for you? What works for you? You know, we are barraged with this message of be yourself. But there's an underlying subtext often that says, be yourself as long as you don't ruffle any feathers. Why not ruffle some feathers? Amen. (laughs) Here's the thing. Why not ruffle some feathers as long as it is rooted in us being our authentic selves? As as, As long as it is not for the purpose of ruffling feathers, it is saying, I know who I am. And take it or leave it. I don't need to please everyone. And that's hard for people because, oh, especially as ministers, we want to please everyone. There are some ministers who are here today, and we have been afflicted with that, have we not? (laughs) Yeah. We don't need to please everyone. Because here's the thing, when we are trying to please everyone, we are living within conformity and consistency, two things that scare us away from self-trust, from self-reliance. So here's the question that I really want to ask today. Who would you be if you didn't have anyone else to compare yourself to? Who would you be if you could not use a comparison to anyone else? Because the world is full of static The world is full of static. Interference. Those messages all the time. And they don't always correlate. And we begin to believe in the supremacy of the interference. But we can, each and every one of us, see change through the static. And that change is from within. That change is right here. Stephen Covey wrote this. We see the world not as it is, but as we are, or as we are conditioned to see it. So today, question your conditioning. Ask yourself the question in every circumstance, is this rooted in my conditioning or is this rooted in the truth of my being? Am I being and expressing as my authentic authentic self today? How have I become conditioned to see the world? Am I willing to see change through the static? knowing that that change is rooted within. Well, I can only know based on a level of faith. But to get to faith, I must move past the fear. So that's really the call today. Move past the fear. Move past the fear. And move into faith. Faith, as, uh, of course, in, as it says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance, that magnificence that is flowing forth, that mental, divine substance that is showing up as life. Muhammad wrote this, faith is that belief of the heart, that knowledge which comes from the unseen. In the Bhagavad Gita, a man consists of the faith that is in him. Whatever his faith is, he is. 
The traditions, the religious traditions teach the same thing about faith. Faith is how we are experiencing the world. So to see change in the static, we must be willing to see change through the lens of faith and not fear. This is the first Sunday of Advent. And the theme of this Sunday is faith and hope. I didn't really want to talk a lot about hope today. We'll talk about hope some other time, okay? But here's what comes up for me around that. If we are going to see through the lens of faith, and I think we should ask ourselves some very serious questions, and this is the homework. Ask yourself this week, how do I perceive the world? From a place of fear or a place of faith? That's question one. Question two, how do I perceive my connection to spirit? Is it from a place of fear or a place of faith? And question number three, how do I perceive myself? Is it from a place of fear or a place of faith? Let the answers this week present themselves. Tap into the vision, the infinite intuitive wisdom that you inherently are. Let those answers present themselves and let them be a guide to deepening into your sense of personal authenticity. That's the homework. Peace and blessings. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.